0: All right, welcome to the Pro Football Doc Podcast, and we made it. We made it to the busiest medical day of the year. We made it through 17 weeks of games without significant delays. Sure, there were lots of midweek games and a lot of schedule shenanigans, but we made it through the COVID year and now on to the playoffs. And so in today's podcast, we'll highlight the busiest medical day of the year, We'll talk about COVID in the playoff bubble slash non-bubble and then go over all hands on deck and then go over a beast of the week candidate here at the end. So as a former NFL team physician, I think everyone was, the number one question I, I got asked was, do you fly to games? And I was like, of course you fly to games. I mean, if you don't, you're not needed on Sunday, you're not needed the rest of, the week uh, kind of thing. But more importantly, it is a year round job. And literally, I would be at the facility five to six days of the week. So Sunday is not the most important day for an NFL team position. I would argue that today, Monday, after the season is over for 18 clubs, seven in each league are in the play, each conference are in the playoffs. Uh, So the remaining 18 teams, this is the busiest medical day of the year. All the doctors are there, trainers, medical staff, exit physicals. Look, there are multiple more surgeries at the end of the season than during the season. You try and keep athletes going and playing uh, with rehab injections. Sometimes you sneak in a quick surgery here or there to try and get them back like Jared Goff but by far and away, uh, three to one, four to one, more surgeries in the off season than in season to clean up, et cetera. There usually are about up to 10, 12 guys that end up needing cleanup surgeries, shoulder scopes, knee scopes, fix this, that, the other, sports hernias, you name it, to clean things up, shoulder labral tears, et cetera. So exit physicals are very important because you can argue it's really the start of the next year, the start of the next season. And from a work comp perspective, exit physicals are very important because you need to document all the injuries. As nice as it is to be there on Sunday, as fun as it is to be there on Sunday, I think team physicians can definitely affect a team's performance much better on non-Sundays than on Sundays. On Sundays, there are the occasional Um, Okay, uh, can you play, can you not play, here's an injection, reassurance, etc. But when a kid tears his ACL, you're not getting them back into the game. It's more consoling them and giving them the news. So for me, affecting outcomes, Monday after the end of the season, you can affect outcomes next season by taking care of problems on your players so they don't crop up next season. Preventative maintenance, so to speak it's almost like if you're an indie car mechanic it's what you do in the off-season designing and, and preventative things on the car versus that quick fix uh pit stop working a miracle right uh sure the pit stops are important in game but it's how you go into the race into the season And that's where the off-season and the busiest medical day is most important. You'll see all 53 guys. You'll see all the guys on injured reserve. You'll see all the guys on practice squad. So literally, there's probably 75, 80 people that you see on today alone if you're on one of the 20 teams that uh, are not in the playoffs. And sometimes you already know what's going to happen and you set things up and it's more of a check-in. But sometimes you're saying, okay, this is your elbows bothering you. Check back with me by the Super Bowl if you're not 100% because you want to get things fixed ahead of time. You know, is something going to calm down with some rest? Well, let's give it some time and let's see. But this is where you make all your off-season plans. Players have exit meetings with their position coaches and head coaches, but the meetings with the medical staff and head athletic trainers are very important as well. And it's not the busiest day in the year because of Black Monday or this, that, the other. Medical has nothing to do with that. You're just trying to take care of guys going forward, and this is your first crack at it and uh, going forward. And I promise you, it is more hectic than even entry physicals. If you wanted to grade some of the most important days for a medical team doctor, I won't put it in any particular order, the events. Ahead of Sunday games, I would say exit physicals, entry physicals, combine evaluations, free agent evaluations, and quite honestly what you do during the week, during the season to get a guy ready. Remember, Sunday's great, but Sunday's the day that most times they get hurt, and then you're trying to fix them. So as a doctor, you're there to fix them. Usually you're not fixing them on Sunday. You're fixing them in the off season. You're fixing them at exit physicals. You're fixing them on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday during the week. Sunday's game time, you're not really fixing anymore. So uh, that's one of the things that I want to point out. Absolutely, in my experience, the busiest medical day of the year is today for 18 teams because they're no longer in playoffs, no longer in playing. And one of the axioms I always had, and it sounds funny, is keep a playing player playing and operate and fix a non-playing player. So what does that mean? Sounds really dumb, I know, but what I'm saying is if a guy is able to play through his knee issue, leave it alone. If he's able to play through a label tear with the brace, leave it alone. But, you know, when you get to the off season, fix that label tear with the shoulder sliding around so you don't have to wear a brace next season, so you can improve your catch radius, so you can lift harder, if you can train better on your knee, whatever it is, that's the time to fix issues. <clears throat> the time to fix issues is in a car <clears throat> is not during a road trip, it's after the road trip, before your next road trip, and that's where the preventative maintenance comes in. <clears throat> All right, so I think we hit that, the busiest medical day of the year. Uh, the second topic I want to cover here is, look, we've talked a lot about COVID, and knock on wood, I'm, I'm thrilled that it's been this way. And kudos to the NFL. I think a lot of you thought I was crazy when as early as March, I was saying, even as the pandemic was growing and even April, May and June, I reiterated, the NFL would start and start on time. And if and how they would finish is the question mark. I couldn't predict all the twists and turns. And I have to give kudos to the NFL for its flexibility. The NFL often is thought of as a completely inflexible sport, right? It's a mammoth organization. Rules changes take time. Competition committees, votes, you know, meetings of owners. But medically this year, they've been very fluid, light on their feet. Schedule changes, postponing games, redefining high-risk close contacts, requiring masks in different situations where they didn't before, imposing new travel restrictions. They've been very flexible this year uh, with COVID. And I think that's part of how they've gotten through. Some will say they were flexible out of self-serving necessity, I get that. But I really think they were flexible medically and that's how they made it through this COVID season. They're the first major sport to make it through an entire regular season, the playoffs still to come basketball finished their season but it was abbreviated baseball hockey finished but it was altered and abbreviated football had the advantage of being market timed correctly the pandemic started after their season was over they had the biggest run-up but kudos they got it done Uh, college football wasn't able to get it done completely they got seasons in but it wasn't complete football played all 256 regular season games And essentially, with some asterisks on time. And I think it was due to their flexibility. But the other thing, to be fair, is the NFL is a single entity organization. And the league controls it. Where in college football, what the SEC decided and the Big Ten decided and the Pac-12 decided, it was all different, right? And so it was hard to, to, to get everyone on a level playing field. And that was the advantage of the NFL. They could dictate it. And they were very clear. Competitive imbalance, we're not going to worry about it. Denver Broncos quarterback room, tough luck. Saints, no running backs, tough luck. But if there's risk of health and safety with ongoing um, uh, disease spread, whether Baltimore, whether it was the Titans, whatever, they were very willing to adjust schedules and uh, and so forth. So kudos to them there. But let's not relax here even with a bubble, which you know, for the most part, I have been against. And you can't just start a playoff bubble. Why? Because the most important part about a bubble is the sanctity of the bubble. If you really wanted to start a bubble, you would have to delay the start of the playoffs. You'd have to quarantine just like the start of the season. All players away from each other for five straight days Make sure every person who enters the bubble was away from each other and negative for five straight days. Then you start your practice. Then you start your bubble. Because it's the entry into the bubble and the sanctity of the bubble that is the most important. Because if you have one slip through the cracks and now you're in a bubble and there's an infection in the bubble, that could take the whole team down. So the this is why the playoff bubbles were not very practical. But here's the hope that Players now will say it's the playoffs and really hunker down because we've seen the holiday spike because people see their family during the holidays and other things. And you see there's been more positives. Hopefully all these players, coaches and staff seeing that it's the playoffs, they get bonus money, this is important for their careers, all really lock down. I think we can all lock down hopefully for a month, right? You get to the Super Bowl, it's a month. I think you can all make that commitment. We all can make that commitment. But I think it was very unfair to ask NFL players to make a four or five month commitment to lockdown. That's very hard for for everybody. But now the playoffs here, the key to the NFL success is to continue the importance and vigilance, the daily testing, but also staying away and safe away from the facility. That's where all the problems have come. And even without a bubble. And it, I get it. It gets tempting. You know, uh, I was talking earlier today that, heck, uh, as you, every round into the playoffs, it gets more important. But even during Super Bowl weeks, look, we've had, look, in San Diego, uh, I was the official, I guess, Super Bowl host physician in San Diego years ago when when Barrett Robbins from the Raiders went AWOL against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And obviously he had some unfortunate Psychiatric issues as well. I mean, he literally went AWOL in, in Tijuana. Uh, Falcon Safety once uh, went a, a ride the night before a game with uh, some extracurricular activities. I don't need to go there. So even during Super Bowl week, the temptation is there. So I hope players and staff listen and stay quiet because here's the problem delays are a lot harder during the playoffs because of competitive balance issues. So if one team starts to get a spread, how do you delay the whole playoffs? Do you delay a team from playing on Sunday? And then how does it affect the opposing team? As it is, there's some argument about an advantage, disadvantage this week to a team that plays on Saturday because it's shorter week, an advantage to the ones that play on Sunday. but. know the team that's got to go Sunday to Saturday next week is going to complain that they have less rest right and that's part of the whole uh, uh, thing in terms of competitive advantage and otherwise in any case we're at we're at the all hands on deck time of the year which means that everyone will uh, try and play through I mean, look, in playoff times, we remember Terrell Owens playing with a broken ankle. We Everyone's gonna try and play through, not only for the bonus money, not only for their teams, but this is why I believe Jared Goff will play and will try and play. Hopefully COVID stays out of it, but this is definitely the all hands on deck portion of the season and is exciting. Congratulations to the NFL. I think they've provided some great excitement for us here despite the pandemic. And uh, I love the fact that, especially as we get to playoffs, we hope the COVID storyline is a non-issue going forward. And let's just look at some football and have some good enjoyment here uh, moving forward. And uh, we'll have lots of additional playoff coverage. Part two of the Pro Football Doc podcast will indeed be going through each of the six games, injury by injury, injury matchup by injury matchup, and that's coming up next after the break here. But before we do that, I want to cover one thing here, which is a beast of the week. We always have it as part of the Pro Football Dog podcast. I'm going to go off the board and make it a little bit unusual, a beast of the week. And let me explain. I was there when LT got a lot of criticism in that AFC Championship game. If you remember, it was the 2008 AFC Championship game. And Ladanian Tomlinson got a lot of criticism for sitting on the sideline with a hoodie over his head, etc. I will stand up for LT on that one and I'll get to my point of the beast of the week. Remember that was the game that Phillip Rivers played with a torn ACL. We were going up against the undefeated New England Patriots in New England. And we gave them a good ball game. That was a game where Gates was hurt, Loneal was hurt, all our top stars were hurt, yet we gave them a good ball game. And LT tried to play, re-aggravated his knee MCL, and look, I get the uh, impression of the body language, but I was there. LT tried to return to the game, and really, he was the bigger man. He basically said, look, uh, uh, our backup uh, gives us, Michael Turner gives us a better chance to win because he really can't cut with his MCL because he re-aggravated it on the second play. So uh, and sometimes being a beast of the week, being mad enough to know what's best for your team as opposed to limping around. And I think Kyler Murray did that. And I hear on social media, he's getting some grief. It was just a mild ankle sprain. Look, why didn't he play all game? He returned to the game. I don't think that's the case. I think Kyler Murray had a right high ankle sprain. At first, I didn't even see it. Uh, the, the initial TV camera. But later in the game, they came back with a replay from an end zone copy. It was a right high ankle sprain. Nothing to do with his previous leg injury. And he limped off the field. Because he just got off the field, no one really noticed it. Because he was in and out of the locker room, I think there was some erroneous thought that, was he trying to play, not trying to play? What's going on here? Why can't he come back into the game? Obviously, uh, it added to it that his backup a guy most of us, me included, didn't really know wasn't doing so well. But in the end, I believe Kyler Murray was having a hard time playing and being effective, and he knew it. And he was the bigger man saying, look, I don't think I can get it done, and that our backup gives us the better chance. But then when the backup didn't do so well, he said, well, what do we got to lose? I'll give it a try. And instead, I think he's getting grief for no reason. So I think I'm making him the beast of the week because he was making good decisions for his team, not for himself. And look at Jimmy Garoppolo with the high ankle sprain. Jimmy G, first quarter of the game, I said, oh, that's a high ankle sprain. It might be tough to play through. He continued to play, and everyone on social media said, "Ah, you were wrong. But he didn't return for the second half because it gets more sore. So why is Kyler Murray the beast of the week? Undoubtedly, his high ankle sprain was more sore in the second half. Yet he decided to strap it up to try and return to play because he saw his team wasn't getting it done. Nothing against his backup quarterback. He gave him the chance. And he was less than himself when he returned. But he gave it a try. And so for that, trying to play through the high ankle, we're going to make Kyler Murray the Beast of the Week this week. And hopefully that's a glimpse into how the impression of a player's injury is not always reality and i wasn't there but that's what i read into it and that's right what i try and give to you guys so we're having some fun this year appreciate outkick in the website please uh watch the second part where we break down the playoff uh, matchups pro football doc podcast will be here throughout the playoffs with lots of new content all right welcome to the pro football doc podcast uh wildcard playoff edition. Instead of the usual injury rundown across the league by position, we're going to do it by game. We already have our Field View Injury Index early versions up for the six wildcard games this weekend. Yes, six games all day on Saturday and Sunday. Seeds two through four hosting games in the AFC and NFC. As we go to it here, the first thing I'll point out is that uh, the injuries make a difference. Uh, And here's how. As we've done the injury index in field view, throughout the season, there were Cs in every week. All six of these games, there is no defense, even run defense, pass defense. There is no offense, run offense or pass offense, that singularly grades out to a C. So I don't think it's accident that these are the team that made the playoffs. If you look at the Field View Injury Index at the homepage that's up, we still have up the Washington versus the Philadelphia Eagles game. And you can see Washington were predominantly Bs. B is a team, B minus on offense, B on defense, B, B, B minus, and the Eagles are predominantly Cs. And predictably, yes, I get it, Nate Sudfield late in the game, but the uh, Washington football team went on to victory. So let's go and break this down game by game in terms of of the injuries. So we'll click it, Injury Index here, and we'll go to the first game, the Colts at the Buffalo Bills. And the approximate lines are up here as well as the totals. And overall, you can see the Bills are essentially the healthiest team in the playoffs right now. And the Colts have a couple of issues, especially on offense. But overall, it's an A versus B plus game. Slight advantage to the Bills. Let's break through that. On the Bills on offense, really the only issue is Cole Beasley. Everyone else is up. Of course, Cody Ford was out earlier this season. John Brown is back and playing very well. You can see as you hover over things here. Cole Beasley is the question. And looking at his video, I don't see anything significant on his knee. I get it. They've signed Kenny Stills to the practice squad. It's possible he gets called up. But I think Cole Beasley has a chance to play. So uh, that means the Bills' offense and the run is an A and an A- minus in the pass. And if you flip offense for defense here, the Bills on defense here, once again, predominantly green. Uh, Tredavious White had some rest uh, but should return to play. And uh, obviously a backup corner. And uh, Deshaun uh, Phillips, the quad uh, injury. But otherwise, the Bills are pretty healthy on defense as well. Once again, A grades. On the other hand, the Colts on offense lost Paris Campbell early this season. Anthony Costanzo, left tackle, is out. Uh, The depth tackle, Will Holden, missed Week 17 and may not be back. He's the guy that might fill in for Anthony Costanzo. Phillip Rivers still has the turf toe issue. Marlon Mack lost to an Achilles early season, but Jonathan Taylor playing well. So the Colts aren't bad, but overall they're a B on offense, largely due to Costanza, a little bit due to Rivers. So the Bills have the advantage there. You can see that the Colts' run offense B goes against an A, Uh, Colts, uh, Bill's defense, and a B pass offense goes against an A. So you can sort of extrapolate here B versus A, A minus versus A minus offense to defense. And the Colts on defense, they lost Malik Hooker early this season. Uh, Kyari Willis should return, and defensively they're fairly healthy in terms of what's uh, going on. You know, you can make an idea that the softly here. Maybe it's an under game. We'll see. But that's the breakdown for the Colts and Bills. Two relatively healthy teams, but the Bills are the healthiest team in the playoffs and hosting the Colts. So it might be a tough matchup for my guy Phillip and company. Second game on Sunday is Los Angeles Rams versus Seattle Seahawks. And the Rams have a number of injury issues, but we've broken them down already. Rams versus the Seahawks in the field view. Seahawks favored by four and a half, but they're sputtering Rams all season have been the healthier side. They've been A- minus or A for predominantly all season. They're a plus. Seattle has their issues, especially on defense, and we'll go over them. First, the Rams. The Rams uh, at quarterback, Jared Goff. Is Jared Goff going to play or not play? Look, he finished the Week 16 game with a dislocated and fractured thumb without a splint or anything. I think he can return to play this week. It's not definitive yet. <clears throat> Yes, John Wolford settled down to have a good game, but it's kind of like first time through the, the, uh, the lineup with a new pitcher, right? Now that you know what John Wolford does, I think Seattle can scheme for him. So I think they're going to want to try and play Jared Goff. But the other thing there is, of course, uh, Cooper Cup and his COVID. Look, it's a close call on where Cooper Cuff can play or not. He got put on the list on December 31st and it's 10 days exactly to the Saturday game. Usually you don't count, the. T- you have to clear the 10th day. So maybe he tested positive on Wednesday the 30th and maybe there are 10 days and he can sneak in, but it remains to be seen if Cooper Cuff will play. Obviously, if he does play, there's gonna be limited practice for Goff and limited practice for Cup. so you have to factor in some rust there. Definitely no Darrell Henderson. Cam Akers seems good to go. Whitworth is slated to make his recovery. And that means the Rams are a B-plus on offense and a B on the pass due to the Goff and potential cup issues, as well as Whitworth's first game back. But let's look defensively at the Seahawks, what they match up with. The Seahawks have some issues at corner. Quinton Dunbar is out. Trey Flowers is out. Shaquille Griffin's healthy. Uh, Stanley missed due to a hand string, so potentially that's the cornerback one that's in, but the the Seahawks may be missing cornerbacks two, three, and four for this game, so a f- potentially favorable passing matchup against uh, the uh, Rams, for the Rams, a B-minus on the Seahawks' pass defense due to the, three of the top four corners. And of course, Jamal Adams is also questionable to play at this point with his hand shoulder. I think he does play. The question is how healthy will he be? So between Jamal Adams and cornerbacks, two, three, and four out for the Seahawks, the Seahawks' pass defense is where they're vulnerable. Add in Jaron Reed with the oblique injury, very difficult to play through with an oblique muscle injury. Uh, harder to shoot up. And look, at a deep... Line position, you're always, it's like wrestling a bear, you're always wrestling against the offensive lineman, and that requires core strength and posture. And very difficult to play through with an oblique. And this was an aggravation of the oblique. So I think Jerron Reed will end up missing time. And of course, Marquise Blair a long ago tore his ACL uh, uh, at, at free safety. So overall, the Seahawks defense remains slightly impacted with the overall B grade. And once again, a B-plus offense against a B. On the other hand, on the other side of the ball, the Seahawks offensively are relatively healthy, except Mikey Potty will probably miss again. Some depth issues on the line, and uh, Philip Dorsett's been missing basically this whole year. I do think Greg Olson returns to play this game, and Carlos Hyde from his illness should be back. Chris Carson is fine. And so they're getting healthier on offense, except for... A little bit of issues on the offensive line. The Rams' defense is relatively healthy. Uh, Michael Brockers should come off the COVID list because I think he was more of a close contact, and uh, uh, Mika Kaiser should return from his knee issue. So health-wise, the Rams are a little bit healthier on paper, but will the rust of Goff and the issue with the thumb and Cooper Cuff dominate the day? That's the second game on uh, Saturday. The third wild card game week game is Tampa Bay versus Washington, the quote, night game. The Buccaneers remain the healthier side, although once again, Washington is healthier than you think with the uh, bees across the board. The Tampa Bay offense is all about Mike Evans this week. Indeed, it's been confirmed his season is not over. Despite the scary looking knee issue, he did not tear his ACL. There's quote, no structural damage, and the door is open for him to play, but it's a far cry from a guarantee that he will play. The worry there with the hyperextended knee is a bone bruise and some swelling. It's reported his knee is not that swollen. He's in the training room. There's some optimism, but we'll see. Remember, early this season, Mike Evans played but was a uh, decoy. But remember, they've got Antonio Brown right now, and if you remember... uh, uh, Tom Brady fed him some shuffle passes to get him a $250,000 catch bonus at 45 at the end of that game. So clearly uh, the the loss of Mike Evans, potential loss, will be dampened by Antonio Brown. Godwin had a big game. Uh, A.Q. Shipley uh, uh, out, but Ryan Jensen's healthy. Overall, the Buccaneers are pretty darn healthy on offense. A for the run, B-plus for the pass, just because of Mike Evans. The Washington defense, it's the safeties that are a concern for the Washington defense, and also uh, linebacker Kevin Pierre-Lewis. You can see there's some depth issues. Their D line, Chase Young is healthy, but it's the safeties that are a concern, and that's reflected in their B grades on defense. Flipping to the other side, Washington on offense, Alex Smith, starting at less than 100%, clearly was even less than that, but made his way through the game with his calf. He's a week better, but he will not be 100%. Obviously, Kyle Allen out for the season already. Uh, Antonio Gibson will be a week better, still not 100%, but playing pretty well. Terry McLaurin had an okay game and will be a week better, but it's the triumvirate here. Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, Alex Smith that are key. Some depth issues on the offensive line, but this is what carried the day. They're relatively healthy, and their three top offensive stars are playing through. So they're overall a B-plus on the run, a B on the pass. The Buccaneers' big deal is indeed Devin White. He is not likely to come off the COVID list. The irony here is if this was a Sunday game, he would come off the COVID list from apparently testing positive. Uh, Vita Vea has been out for the season with a broken ankle. Steve McClendon was on the po- COVID list, but I think for a close contact. So McClendon returns to play. Devin White will be out. And of course, Carlton Davis with the groin is big. And that's big here too, because uh very difficult to play through with a groin and i think he misses so it's Devin white carlton davis as the big outs obviously vita Vite has been out for a while so it leads to a b defense for the 49ers can the washington football team take advantage of that that's the question mark overall tampa is slightly healthier with a, a two score line right now at seven and a half next games on sunday Baltimore Ravens versus Tennessee Titans. This could be a big smash-mouth game. Equally healthy on both sides of the ball. B-pluses overall as a team. Offense overall relatively healthy. If you look at the Baltimore Ravens, they've lost Ronnie Stanley for the year. Willie Sneed is likely to miss, but otherwise pretty darn good. Obviously, Nick Boyle's been out. Backup center's been out and uh, Robert Griffin is out. But overall, other than Ronnie Stanley, they're relatively healthy. <coughs> Excuse me. And Tennessee, it's all about the two linebackers. Jadavian Clowney's been out on injured reserve, Derrick Rob- Roberson's missing, and obviously Jayon Brown out for the season, radial fractured, uh, head fractured to the elbow. It's about the two linebackers, so that's where the the weakness is for the Titans. But overall, they've been playing through fairly well. Some depth issues at other spots, but overall, B plus on defense, relatively healthy. And then again, the Ravens, the Titans on offense. Taylor Lewan's out for the season. Adam Humphreys on concussion and is out. Roger Saffold new ankle injury. I think he's got a chance to play. I reviewed the video, and it seems to be a mild high ankle sprain, and he's got a chance to play through. A.J. Brown's been playing through his ankle and knee issues at less than 100%, but he's a baller and will continue to play. So the Titans on defense are relatively healthy at a B plus. The Ravens on defense are very healthy, only some depth issues. Marcus Peters Uh, coming back from a calf. Kalei Campbell coming back from a calf. Uh, Ngaku is the big one that might miss. But overall, they're fairly healthy. And, uh, you know, you got to look at this. B-plus offenses against A-minus B-plus defenses. Are there really going to be 54 points scored? We'll see. But uh, this is just, once again, the injury analysis for you to make your own decisions on. The second game on Sunday, the Chicago Bears versus the New Orleans Saints. Two of the more injured defenses play each other here. So will the total hit the over? We'll see. Eight and a half point line right now for the Saints, but let's take a look. For the Bears on offense, David Montgomery is healthy. Tariq Cohen tore his ACL earlier this season. Uh, The right tackle and left guard have been missing for most of the season, so they've shored that up over time. Darnell Mooney got crushed on a hit, head, shoulder, ankle, but reviewing video, I think he has a good chance to play. I didn't see anything that would rule him out for the week, for this coming week, and it's all hands on deck for the playoffs. But look at the Saints' defense. A lot of the conversation has been on the Saints' offense with the running backs, and we'll get to it, but Sheldon Richardson, so, sorry, Sheldon Rankin's knee placed on injury reserve, key there. Quan Alexander, midseason season addition, key out with an Achilles. Free safety, missed week 17. And uh, DJ Swearinger uh, possibly out, Marcus Williams out. And then some depth issues at corner. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, depth issues with Patrick uh, Robinson out. So the Saints are impacted at all three levels. They're not terrible, they're not C's, but they're B minuses on defense, so can there be some exploitation from Mitch Trubisky and company? We'll see, especially facing Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, likely to have Darnell Mooney, etc. cetera. On the other side of the ball, the Saints on offense have significant questions at running back. They should get the running back room back, and it is clearly an advantage to be playing on Sunday instead of Saturday. It's been reported that for sure if the game was on Saturday, Alvin Kamara would be out for this game. But with the Sunday game, there's some hope that he can play. By my calculation, I'm not 100% sure because Sunday is the 10th day and usually you have to sit the 10th day. But maybe there was a reporting glitch in the timing of things, and maybe he indeed will play. But I'm not completely convinced Kamara will play yet. That's why we have him as a red here to sort of watch out for him. Traquan Smith is on injured reserve. I do think Michael Thomas will play and be effective. He's coming off injured reserve. I think he was put on injured reserve to get him closer to 100%, and he is destined to play. But the offensive line, relatively healthy. Obviously, Drew Brees is back and good health overall for the Saints on offense. The big question is Alvin Kamara, but Michael Thomas will play. The Bears on defense have some issues. Jalen Johnson's shoulder missed. Not sure that he'll be back for this week, as well as uh, Buster Skrine and some depth issues at cornerback. And Rocaine Smith, I just looked at video, and he will not return to play in the wildcard game. I believe he dislocated his left elbow, so that's gonna be a big miss for the Bears. Run defense, B-minus, pass B-minus. So if you look at this game, two B-minus defenses, is that potentially going to lead to an over game? We'll see. Final game on Sunday night, Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. A rematch, they just played in week 17. I think that's part of the reason the Steelers rested everybody. They saw the potential rematch coming. In addition to which, uh, they probably played a very limited game plan, so they rested all their stars from Big Ben to Marquise Pouncey to T.J. Watt and others. And so let's look at the health here of the uh, Cleveland versus the Steelers. Wide receiver Donovan Peoples Jones suffered a concussion, was hit in the back. I think he's got a good chance to return to play. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Odell Beckham, uh, out for the year with the ACL tear. But otherwise, <coughs> the Browns are relatively healthy here. The Steelers have some defensive issues. Obviously, at linebacker, Bud Dupree, Devin Bush, Robert Spillane, Joe Hayden, COVID protocol. By my calculation, he's likely to miss. Terrell Edmonds missed with the shoulder, but a chance to come back. TJ Watt will be back. So some defensive issues to watch out for the Steelers here, but they've adapted well to the linebacker losses. On the other side of the ball. (coughs) The offensive line issues have been for most of the season with the Steelers. They've accommodated Zach Banner was early season and their guard went out with a pectoral injury several weeks ago. Uh, The issues with the Browns are once again on defense uh, at cornerback. Greedy Williams basically missed the whole season. Denzel Ward uh, in jeopardy for his positive test for COVID. He may not be able to return. And the big one, Olivier Vernon, pass rusher, tore his Achilles and is done for the season. Some safety depth issues as well. So the Browns' pass defense is a B-minus. So once again, overall, the offense is a little bit healthier and the defense is for the Browns versus the Steelers. We'll be updating this all week long on a daily basis as soon as injury reports come out on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for the Saturday game, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for the Sunday games. But there's your playoff field view injury index. Hopefully this shows you how to use this. I gave you general information. Uh, You can make your own decisions on whether to bet for the sides or totals but also use this in your dfs play and any continuing fantasy play for matchups you can see where some of the breakdown weaknesses are all in one place and uh, thanks for watching along the special wild wild card playoff